0: Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. This is the word of God.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together, guys, and then we'll go ahead and be seated. So if you stay standing, we're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, um, we exalt you as our Lord, and uh, we thank you that there's many of us in this room where you have revealed yourself to us, Lord, and you've allowed us to respond. And Lord, we are thankful. We're grateful that we're your sons and daughters, and there's some of us who are um, we're religious, we're doing all kind of things, or we don't really care, or we've been asked to come here by someone, and I pray this would be a moment where they would encounter the living God, and that uh, you would reveal yourself to them as well, and that all of us uh, would find our treasure in you, Christ. Um, so would you open up the word to us, Jesus? Would you graciously use me, Lord, um, and uh, speak through me? We admit, we confess that Apart from you, Lord, I'm just up here sharing cool stories and trying to be smart, but Lord, we pray uh, that truly there'll be a humility and a, and a submission uh, to your will. And we ask this in Christ's name, amen. amen. All right, guys, have a seat. Um, if you need Bibles, you can go ahead and raise your hand and we will hook you up with some Bibles. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Alvin, can you get Bibles? Or Brendan, you're gonna get Bibles? Thank you. And um, We are in the Book of Moses family, as you know that, many of you, if you are new here, um, we study books of the Bible, and uh, we are going through the Book of Moses. We are beginning Chapter 3 in the Book of Moses. I'm sorry, the Book of Exodus, excuse me. (laughs) I guess Moses wrote it, but but, uh, the Book of Exodus. And uh, we are, as a local community, uh, we like to go through Books of the Bible just to make sure that we can get the whole counsel of God's Word. And uh, so we'll be in Exodus for some time for sure. I just encourage you guys, so if you have come late, uh, we want to encourage you to listen to the sermons online and kind of catch up and then um, continue to join us. And be invited so other people can understand the story of God as it is happening, as the people of God are learning about who God is. Okay, guys? Um, One other uh, segment is that we always like to encourage you, to, if you have uh, questions, to go ahead and ask them if they can benefit the whole body. If not, you can come see me afterwards, and then we can go ahead and chop it up, and hopefully I can answer. If not, uh, hopefully find some resources to uh, help you out as well. So that's our heart um, is to not just just get smarter. We want to get smarter because what we do is actually predicated on what we know but we wanted to lead toward worship. Um, and So that's our heart behind um, coming together as a a local community uh, and making much of Christ. Um, Let's jump right into it because we have a lot of stuff going on uh, as far as uh, this chapter. Um, One thing that this chapter reminded me of and and considering that we're almost approaching uh, Halloween is I was thinking, I don't know if you've ever had this, but you have friends or maybe you were that friend or maybe you're that person where people just love uh, talking about spiritual things. Like when I became a Christian, I... I, um, you know, I was at Miami of Ohio, and a lot of my friends who weren't believers, uh, they didn't want Christ, but they always wanted to talk about, like, like, uh, uh, like the, the supernatural, um, or they wanted to talk about, you know, like life after death. And, and, and it's amazing to me how much money uh, these movies, like uh, Paranormal Activity and all these movies that are talking about there's something else, how much money they make, uh, considering how pagan we are as a people, um, but but it's interesting to me that, that we—people, I, I think as a mo, I, I was doing some research as I was thinking about that practical demonstration in my life, and, um, and I will doing some research, and it's amazing to find that um, from a psychology perspective, uh, many people are would say that they're cool for searching for God— and so that's very interesting because you think people either are kind of searching or not, but, but, but that many people are actually searching for God. But the very interesting thing that, that I learned, I was listening to a few sermons and also doing some research, was that um, people will search for God and want to search for God. But the same people who are trying to search for God, many of them actually uh, don't want to find God. Basically, they would say things like, hey, we don't know if we can ever find God. We don't know if there, if there can ever be truth. You ever heard that before? right uh, and so and so people will say they want to search for god but then we put up all these parameters kind of confirming that we really don't want to find god because if you're saying that guess you can't find god then you wouldn't say that there's no absolute truth <laughs> right you you'll say well maybe there is Uh, So there seems to be kind of a contradiction in how we think about things as a culture. And it made me think about this passage because this whole passage is kind of screaming to you and me, and I hope you'll see it. It's screaming to us about the reality of the revelation of God, is that God actually uh, is available and that God God wants to be found. And I'll say it in more reform reform terminology because we know we don't find God, that God reveals himself to us. But it's funny, he, he reveals himself to us, but practically, it seems like he allows us to see in a soap opera-esque sense, like we are actually coming upon and then by God doing his sovereign thing and doing his revelatory thing, we actually find God, right? And so what, what I want to encourage us to is as we look at this text here, is to realize that God wants to be known. He wants to be known by people. And then I want to propose that's probably the main thrust of the book of Exodus is that God is not just God, God is a God who wants to be known by his people now think about that, what does that mean, that God wants to be known, let's jump right into the passage Um, some good words from I believe the last uh, talk was um, my my man Nate uh, shared and was talking about the reality that this whole whole story that God is kind of the, the hero and And we get to verse 1 here, we've uh, we've just experienced uh, Moses um, fleeing. Uh, he's, he's out in the wilderness right now in this, in this text here. Uh, it says in verse 1, uh, we have a guy who, who actually was born. Um, well, he was born and he was placed into this, basically, as it were, little ark. He's in the bushes. Pharaoh, uh, the most powerful being in the known world at that time, his daughter finds him. Uh, instead of uh, him dying, which should have been the case because there was an edict for all the males to be killed. Um, in fact, he was saved by uh, the princess and was raised up as, um, as a prince in Egypt, right? Uh, so this is where he is. All of a sudden, he tries to find himself for some reason still connected to uh, his Hebrew people, and he decides to help one uh, and by killing uh, an Egyptian guy. And uh, what happens is, in fact, uh, some, some of his Hebrew brothers begins to say, hey, we're going to get the word out. Basically, why are you trying to act like you're a judge or ruler over us? We know what you did. He runs off into the wilderness. Pharaoh finds out that actually he killed an Egyptian, and no longer does he have the status as his prince, but now he's uh, being sought after to be killed, right? And so now we enter into verse 1 of chapter 3 where things just aren't looking so good for Moses. And it says in in verse 1, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Right? So a few observations I want to make, and I'm going to do something here. I'm going to make some observations throughout the text, and then I want to make some basically some, uh, some principles, because there seem to be, and I don't do this much, but there seem to be some cool principles that I want to make sure I can draw out of here that seems to be typological, meaning that there seems to be forms of what God is doing through the gospel in Christ. So I'm going to try and put those together, and hopefully we'll see that as we continue to walk uh, through, the script, uh, through the scripture here. So, so it says in the text here that Moses is keeping his flock, keeping his father-in-law's flock, it tells us that he was leading a flock, that he was on the west side of the wilderness, and that he came to a horror of the mountain of God, which is actually uh, Mount Sinai, which is the, the mountain that they're going to actually be worshiping on, which I think is really cool, because it wasn't like this awesome mountain, but yet when God steps on something, all of a sudden it becomes awesome. So, um, it wasn't really known at all, um. And you, you, you realize that he's walking around and he's totally oblivious, right? He's going through his normal day-to-day routine, and that's very important for what it seems to be the push for the author. He wanted us to see clearly that he was kind of just doing his own thing, right? And all of a sudden, and what was he doing, which is interesting, he was, uh, he was a shepherd, Okay, so that's another key. That's another interesting piece, right? He's a shepherd. Well, this is a guy who used to be a prince. All of a sudden, he's a shepherd. If you were an Egyptian, you wouldn't consider yourself to want to be a shepherd because that was way beneath you. So that gives us a key that during these many years that he's been out in the wilderness now hanging with his his father-in-law, that that something has happened where he's identifying more, obviously, with the Israelites than he is as an Egyptian, all right? So you're seeing all of a sudden, he's not seeing himself as like that big time guy. That's been like kind of, Kind of taken out of him as time has gone on. And now he realizes that, man, I am a Hebrew, I'm this Israelite as well, and I'm willing to be a shepherd. So, so that's, I think the author wants us to see that he's kind of now identifying for sure, with his people. And the author wants us to see that it's interesting, you know, when you think of his patriarchs, you know, they have a scenario that happens to them, then time goes on, and then it says things like, oh, and they had a lot of wealth now, and dot, dot, dot. But here it's very interesting that a lot of time has gone forth, and it seems that he's still broke. Which is, and the reason why I would say that is because he's not tending his own sheep, his own flock, but he's tending his father-in-law's flock. So he doesn't have much. He's connected to his father-in-law, and he's kind of tending uh, their their flock. Now, knowing that, he then goes off. He doesn't have a lot of money. He has someone else's flock, but he's connected to this family. And the an interesting thing the author wants you to see here is he goes off uh, into, it says in the scriptures, the west side of the wilderness. The reason why it talks like that, the west side of the wilderness, is because he's letting you know that he goes off like, you know, and more, more further than he would usually go, right? He goes off to the west side of the wilderness, uh, which, you know, theologians would say this was probably maybe uh, conservatively maybe a day or two uh, journey. Uh, many theologians think this is probably a week journey away from his home. And the reason why is because he's trying to find nice grassy areas uh, to feed uh, these sheep, So I'm painting a picture here, and then finally we can see that, well, obviously the the family really sees him as an Israelite, and the family's really celebrating him, and the family really trusts him. We know that. Why? Because, man, he's got all their flock, right? So this is the picture, as we have this guy who was a prince of Egypt, uh, grown up, you know, big time. He gets cast off, and all of a sudden we see a complete integration as a a Midianite, as it were. Okay, this is the picture that the, uh, that the author wants to give you and me and then the scripture says and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame out of fire I mean of fire out of the midst of a bush he looked and behold the bush was burning yet it was not consumed and Moses said I will turn aside to see this great sight uh, why the bush is not burned so notice this. Now, if you remember, if you look at Exodus or you're thinking about the book of Exodus, we haven't had uh, a demonstrable miracle happen yet, correct? I say that to say we've seen a lot of miracle things happen, right? Where we, well, I've talked about that even the last couple of weeks where we've seen God all throughout stuff. But we haven't seen, in this way, maybe we need to define miracle because I think sometimes we can just kind of put our own definition of miracle. Whereas... But the Bible, when the Bible talks about miracle, it's talking about when God actually uh, suspends the laws of nature and does something for his purpose. Okay, that's a miracle. It's when, cause so, so the things that happen, although they're awesome and God uses providence and sovereignty to create in the natural realm things for you and me, and things for us to happen to us, right, all the time. And we saw that with Moses, right? Those are all things that were happening in the natural realm, right? Finding the baby, for whatever reason, the lady having compassion, for whatever reason, bringing the baby in, desiring to pay for the baby, all that stuff, right, happened. And as it were, it was like only God can do that. But, but when we think of theology our understanding about who God is, the study of God, those aren't miracles because God was still working in his providence within the realms of nature. Whereas here, we have something that is actually a miracle, Right, because you have, first of all, you have a bush, and when a bush, you have a bush, and it's a small bush, and when a bush burns, usually what, happen, what, is, what happens to the bush? It's consumed, it turns to ashes, right? Well, here, he's looking and going, hold up, this is not what usually happens uh, when bushes burn, right? He's kind of looking at this, and he's, and he's thinking probably two, I, I would say he's struck by two factors. First, you got this single bush, right, you got this bush on a hillside uh, with no one around. So, you know, there's no arsonist, you know, and so he's like, who burnt, what's up? You know, this ain't angel, night. Like, what's going on? Like, and so he's wondering, like, how's it on fire? And then it gets burnt on and on. All right, so let me just talk about a few theological frameworks, and then I'll go into what seems to be a very important principle here, family, that just hopefully will encourage you in your faith. Uh, We look at angel of the Lord. It occurs almost 67 times or so in the Old Testament, Uh, but this is the only occurrence where it happens in Exodus, In this text here, and one thing I want to make clear is, uh, when you think of angel of the Lord, as you're reading your Bible in the future, uh, you'll see this throughout. And the question is, so is this an angel that is from God, or is this God Himself, basically encasing Himself, right, putting Himself in a framework of an angel, revealing Himself as an angel? Okay, that's a question you should be asking yourself. Or you will eventually, if this is your first time reading the Bible and you see this right now, you kind of maybe because of what you hear around, you know, your friends and things of that sort, you just think, oh, okay, it's God. But I want us, to, I want us not to merely, I want us to take into account the things we learn, but also want us to do like biblical exegesis to come up with our conclusions, okay? Uh, so, so, yeah, so I would propose that this text here, this is the angel of the Lord here, uh, is actually God himself basically being revealed, encasing himself, as it were, as an angel. Um, a couple of things you want to think about um, when you think about, like, seeing an angel of the Lord, is it an angel or is it actually the Lord himself, is first and foremost, angels, if you notice when you read the scriptures, uh, you'll notice they are never worshipped. Or when they are worshipped, the angel automatically turns away the worship. Now, why? Because worship is only meant for God alone. And so a key indicator when you're reading the Bible that, man, this angel is an angel of God. It's God himself encasing himself, revealing himself as an angel is when a person says something like, uh, you know, oh, I can't stand up. You're going to kill me. Or, or, or the angel, you know, starts to appropriate to himself an aspect of worship, which we'll see in a moment when he says things like, hey, take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground, right? That's, 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 that's God talk. That's him saying, you know, like angels not just saying, I'm just because I, I hang with God, I can say that. God says stuff like that. Okay? So uh, some, some addresses for you guys for that, for that understanding of who God is. Revelation 19 talks about this concept of, of an angel. Revelation 22. Um, you'll see it also. Um, that's when he uh, doesn't want worship. You'll see it again, in, I think, even in Genesis uh, chapter 16, 7 through 11. Now. So the angel, so basically you have the angel of the Lord here, and then notice that the angel is there, the bush is burning, and all of a sudden something happens very interesting here. Um, it says in the scriptures, and, I, and I, in, in ESV, I'm excited that I feel like they had a great interpretation of this passage, uh, of this term here. And some of your Bibles will have a different uh, ter- term, but in verse 3, it says, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. All right." And the reason why it's important is because the way, is is that term really hits to what's going on in this text here. Uh, The sense of, I I will turn aside, um, is a sense of like, hey, you know what, I'm going in my my, my normal day, I'm doing my own thing, and it's almost like the, 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 the force of the term is like getting off on the beaten path. And I propose to you, family, that the the author wanted to say it like that because he wanted to see something, that there was an ordinary life going on, and Moses was doing his ordinary thing, and all of a sudden something happens that's extraordinary, and that that had, in essence, actually disrupted or messed up or made him have to think about or change his paradigm of that time and day. Now, why do I bring that up? Because right here in the text here, I want to propose that one of the ways that God reveals himself, and I want to say he reveals himself to us as a people, and one of the ways that we can receive God's revelation, I think first and foremost, one of the ways we're seeing this text here is that God actually, for a person to come to God, think about every person in here who's a Christian right now, or if you're wanting to figure out who God is, every one of us at some point, what God does when he reveals himself and we find God or God reveals himself to us is at some point, God has to disrupt your normal. He has to disrupt your ordinary. He has, to, he has to make you stop and actually consider himself. Right? At some point, you have to stop in your normal. And this is so cool. I was... Um, Checking out Tim Keller, and he talks about this. Um, uh, the, the book Screwtape Letters, which is, I don't know if you ever read that book. I think it's, I, I love it. It's one of my favorites. I would encourage you to read it. And and, and, uh, and basically, it's this concept of uh, of, uh, of an uncle, like basically a demon in retirement. And and uh, he's kind of training a younger demon. And one of the main ways that he's telling you the way that you can get this demon uh, to, um, to, get, to get people to basically follow after them and not Jesus is by getting them caught up in the mundane of life. That's one of the main ways that that it says, hey, this is what you got to do as he's training uh, the demon. Um, Real quick, before I forget, because I actually went past, I want to make sure I give you two more addresses about the angel of the Lord, Exodus 23, verses 20 through 23 as well. You can read those for sake of time. We're not going to go to them. So he paints this picture of turn aside. When something basically interrupts your your normal life, gets, get, basically gets you off, and now you have to consider God. Yes? Yes, basically you're saying, yeah, so when you have the definite article the, when you have like the Lord or like the angel of the Lord, usually, yeah, that is, that is God, that is God. And so what I wanted to do was show, show more, even that's more grammatically correct, more like what, like essence of what has to happen with God as far as character to understand who he is. So absolutely. So usually when you see that, but that's an interpretive key. And sometimes people can take out the definite article when it's actually there. And so we have to be careful with that. So, so the question was, when you see an angel of the Lord, Right, an indefinite article, or you have the angel of the Lord, the definite article, the angel of the Lord means that it's actually Yahweh, right? And I would say yes, but we want to be careful because sometimes some of our translations can actually take out the definite article. So we want to be careful uh, with, with that paradigm when we're thinking about that. Now, but so why does, why does God need to disrupt your life and my life for him to reveal himself to us, Right? I'm proposing, it's very clear, because we, we can get kind of busy, get too busy for the Lord, right? I mean, you know, I, I don't know if my man's here, Justin Mass, um, you know, he had, he had the, the scare of cancer. And I don't know if you remember, um, it was a really cool uh, moment for, for both of us because uh, he, started, he started writing a blog. And he was talking about just, man, how that reality of not knowing if the next year he would be alive to see his kids. Um, just how that slowed everything down to have him consider uh, the reality of Christ and and me even going to the hospital and and praying with these guys and watching these guys I mean it just made every, it just made us all kind of slow down a little bit and consider what life 's truly about to pause and go, Who is God right and so I'm proposing that the author here is just, is just kind of a, a implication. I'm proposing that the author wants us to see that here's this Moses guy just doing his own thing, right, being a shepherd. And all of a sudden, this thing happens which makes him have to go, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Now, what he could have said was, oh, look at a nice little burning bush. That's weird. Let me keep going and feeding my sheep, you know. He could have said that. Or he could have said, man, I got to, you know, or I'm going to be faithful with that. But for some reason, that made him pause, stop, and consider, man, What is this? This has changed my my understanding of thinking of how life should be, of how life should go. And so let me really consider what's going on here. There's probably uh, many ways that that happens practically. You say, well, what does it got to do with me? I would say it happens practically in our lives too, right? What are ways that God in your life and in my life kind of tries to disrupt us, kind of tries to make us pause and think about considering who God is? What do you think? Um, When I think of uh, myself, I think of people. I think there's times where people in our lives God has used to kind of try to stop you and disrupt, like, your understanding of how life should be and how life should work and and make you pause to actually consider Christ. For me, it was a, a guy, Roger Hershey. I've talked to you guys a lot about him. Uh, to watch someone in my life, you just kind of dog eat dog world. You, you use people, you manipulate people, and you, you you can love when you can get something. And here's a guy who was caring for me, and all of a sudden he would come and try to shepherd me and, and love me and, 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 and model to me what it meant to be a godly man. And I, and I just it just made me have to pause. I mean, for a while, I, I, was, I wasn't even walking with the Lord at the point. I mean, he just kind of befriended me. And I, just, I just had to pause and be like, Okay, I'm hearing the gospel and all that's cool, but I'm kind of pausing because what is this dude doing? Like, this is, this is weird. Like, this is not normal. This, what he's doing in my life is not what I usually see people doing in other people's lives. And it made me have to pause and go, huh. I can give you personal Kiara Thomas' mom. I remember this I was just and I was praying and writing through the talk. I remember the Lord using uh this girl's mom. I, I was in third grade with her and all of a sudden, you know, she started asking, hey, did I want to come to some Bible study with them when I was younger? Totally forgot about it. I'm 39 now. But as I was researching and studying, the Lord brought that to my mind. Ki Ke- Kiara Thomas's mom. I remember how she would have, I would get into this old little cougar and we'd go and, uh that's not the animal, but the little car, it was a cougar. And uh and uh, we would go to Bible study, and I remember, and she would just be playing this music and singing and talking about Jesus, all free. And and I just thought, this is weird. Who is this? What's going on? You know? Can you think about people like that in your life? Like it's Aunt Cindy. There was a dude named Jason when I was my freshman year in college. Just um, crazy, charismatic dude. Just be on campus, just loving on people. Picked me up every, I mean, every week to go to church. It's like who? Why? I would lie to him and try and get out of it. He would still just smile, knowing I'm lying to him, and see me at the student union wouldn't be mad, you know. See me eating my food and hanging out. Hey, Eric, how you doing? What, What? What is this? You see what I'm saying, fam? God, God is gracious. One of the ways that we get God reveals himself to us is he gives you those moments where he makes you just, he disrupts your normal everyday deal. And he puts people and things in your life that makes you pause and go, or hopefully go, have I considered God? You know what else he uses? Not just people. Um, he uses troubles. See, right now we see a supernatural occurrence, but I'm saying, well, how does he do that in our life? Does he just stop? I want to propose that when you see supernatural occurrences in the Bible, those are supernatural occurrences. And then he retells those stories all throughout our life. And I'll show that in a moment, hopefully. But troubles. I think troubles are another way that God says, you know what? I got to, you just going, doing your rat race, doing your thing. I need to stop you. Has that happened to some of us? It's happened to me many times, Right? I propose, you know, you get a, a young group in here, multi-ethnic, God is doing this thing, and many of you guys have a lot of skills. You know what happens when you're around 20 and 30, do. and I'm talking about from my experience. You just think, I got this. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to do this thing. I'm, it's going to be all set. I know life messed you up, but I got this. I'm 20, I was 22, 23, thinking I knew, had all these deep convictions and and knew who I was and what I wanted to do. Man, I wish I wasn't so arrogant. Because God looked like, oh, you you think you got it all, you're all set? Okay, you got it all together? You, You got skills? You think you're okay? Boom. Scenario after scenario. Horrible things happened throughout my journey. Crazy stuff. Any stories like that in here? Where you're like, man, how did I get in this place? Had a crazy, crazy second year at Michigan State. Broke me down. You know, I thought, man, I'm a good teacher. I know my Bible. Look at me. I'm awesome. God was like, wow, you're arrogant. You need troubles to stop and consider God. You need to consider God. Right? Man, I was... Three years ago, crazy scenario. I'm thinking, oh, we, we do, we're doing this thing. We're at church. We're, we're rocking it, man. I'm we're you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard. I got got awesome leaders. are doing all this thing, and then havoc reaches havoc just reaches our church like crazy. And for a while, we're fighting it, We're you know, and I'm fighting, fighting. All of a sudden, I didn't have more fight left. I was like, wow, Lord, this this hurts accusations and lies and misunderstandings. I don't know what to do. God brought me down to say, oh, you need to consider God. God revealed himself to me. In those moments, when I, was, when I absolutely could not grab hold to my competence anymore, God said, that's where I need you to be. Troubles, you know. I can. I know. You I know. I love our body because I know you, and you and you share your hearts. I can go through this body about troubles. I can. You know. I won't put anybody on blast. Maybe I will. I don't know. No, you guys are courageous, and I've seen troubles, and I've seen how they bring just bring us down. I and mean, Matthew's been clear, sharing about his journey with his tests. And I think of Megan when you were at Enterprise, and you're just like, "Man, like, what's up? How is this going to work out?" And you know, I've been in the scenarios, that scenario, and you continue, you're like, "Okay, Lord, here you go." I can look around this room. I mean, it's looking at the King's journey here this past year. Troubles. Are they there so you can just pull yourself by your bootstrap and say, oh, I can handle anything? Or are they there for you to pause and consider God? For God to reveal himself. What he's doing right now, he's revealing himself. Another way he does, I would say, what's interesting about those troubles is usually they're not fun. And you know what's interesting? What's interesting is God's is revealing himself for What? to call Moses to what? A crazy, sad, intense, worrisome. I mean, his life was crazy after this. It wasn't fun, way too, as we go through the Bible. It was was horrible. He got to see God fulfill promises, but man, people blaming him all the time. God called him out at the end, couldn't even cross the promised land, like dang Lord. Right? I'm, I'm just saying it's real. Yeah. You know what was interesting too, I would say, I would say troubles. I would say, um, people, and then I, would, I, I in my own journey, I would think of, uh, the issue of, of just that, that hole in our hearts, you know, that unbeliever, a person who just has an emptiness, uh. You know, where, where you continually try to fulfill, and this happens to us as believers. You're, you're a believer, and you continue to try to fulfill yourself with all these worldly things. And you still end up empty. Right? That it doesn't, it does, they don't, and, and I'm up here as a hypocrite, because I struggle with the same thing. And I'm continually asking God to give me the grace to believe the gospel that, man, the plastic pearls don't fulfill. So you think of your sin issue and how you grab hold of it for comfort, and how it disappoints you every time. it disappoints you every time, right every time and uh, a preacher was doing some research uh, with a lady, uh, she was a famous researcher, and they were talking about this, and, uh, and she was saying that she had been interviewing all these super these, these stars. Uh, and and they're wealthy, and, 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 and said to them, "Hey, like, like you, you, do you feel like you have everything you've ever wanted?" And they felt like think everything had been handed to them. That they, they they have wealth, they have they have they have fame, they have prestige. And then she said, "The mass majority of them wanted to kill themselves." Isn't that interesting? Right? It's interesting. Man, the emptiness in our heart can only be filled when we consider God. And I want to propose and be very, my prayer is that I would see and you would see that these things happen so that we would see God is trying to reveal himself to us. So he's uh, looking at this this bush (laughs) that is burning before him. We see this beautiful picture. He says, I will turn aside. I will, I will stop my normal journey. I will turn aside and consider what's going on here. What is up here? To see this great sight. Why this bush is not burned. And the scriptures saying, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. Love that, right? So the Lord's looking. Let me see if this gets him right quick. Okay, cool. He's looking now. All right. Right. Just I'm imagining this stuff. Like, I don't know why God, I don't, the beauty and the magic of God, are still, don't you just marvel when you read the Bible? Because God is God. He doesn't have to go through these shenanigans, right? He doesn't have, he didn't, it wasn't like he had to look to see. You know what I'm saying? I just love the beauty of the scripture. So God turned aside to see, right? The Lord uh, said, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. We're about revelation. here. So, so now God has, has grabbed his people. He's been with his people, but he's, about to, he's doing something right now. He's actually revealing himself to his people more than he ever has in history before. And it's gonna, it's gonna, we're going to see the penultimate of that even next week. So he's beginning to reveal himself to Moses, letting him know who he is. And look what he does here. You can circle this. Moses, Moses, right? You want to circle that. When you see that in the scriptures there, uh, you're seeing uh, that means it's like a sense of magnitude. It's a sense of friendship. It's a sense of love. When we say, you know, if I say, Paul, Paul, I just sound like I'm weird, right? But, but in, in ancient times, that, that signified relationship, a desire to, to, to know, a desire to love, a desire to be a friend. It's a magnitude. It's like, I, got, I want to be with you. Right? But 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 you notice the the, the the contradiction? You see the scriptures there? God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, you're my friend. I want to be with you. I love you. But don't come near me. Do you see that? What in the world is going on there? What? Why is that happening? When you think about you and me and the revelation of God, why is that happening here? See, I'm proposing that when you look at the text, the author is trying to really show us something here. He's trying to show us something that we really struggle with in this day and age. And that is how do we marry the beauty of God's holiness with the beauty of God's love all at the same time? Do you see that? We're a culture today, and some of y'all might get mad at this, okay? But this is for you. The younger culture, the millennial culture, Sadly, in my opinion, and I think it's, i think it has weight. You have over sentimentalized the gospel, where it's about just God's love, and it's kind of taking a hierarchical view over His holiness. Okay, so you said, "No, I believe He's holy, but He really loves." So it's about loving people, and meeting them where they are, and all this stuff like the Oprah. It's almost like kind of kind of cousin to Oprah, right? So. But you ain't talking about holiness. And then what happens, that's when you start misinterpreting and reinterpreting the scriptures, if I can be very bold. We're areas of holiness where God is saying, I do things not like you. And you go, whoa. Hold on, you're supposed to be, I, no, this is who I am. He said, but I'm holy. I'm holy. So here's Moses, tip to do, oh, you wanna, you wanna see me? And he said, hold on, bruh, I'm still holy. Hold on, right? Don't run up on me like I'm your boy, right? I'm not your boy, right? I'm Yahweh. So listen, I want you, but you need to understand who I am. And you notice something in scripture here? I was looking at this. I was like, man, it's interesting to me that what we want to do as a people. Have you ever done this? You're sharing your faith with people all the time, especially if you minister of the gospel happens all the time. Share your faith and people say things like, well, they'll say being a Christian, so does that mean I have to dot dot dot? Right? They all as soon as people start telling you what they willing and will not do, they already have changed the game. You already said, no, 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 God isn't a consuming fire, he's a clay. No, no, no. I want God, I want to do what I can. The famous preacher said, No, 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 it's no. You see, the difference is that fire consumes. Clay is molded. What's interesting is the Bible, I don't, I was like, man, the Bible never, ever talks about God as clay. (laughs) Only fire. Not only fire, but fire when you think about his holiness. And it always, always talks about us many times as broken vessels, as clay, as something that has been created by something else and that has to be continually molded. Why? Why? Why if you if you if we got it all together we got all the answers then why do we need to be molded? I'm proposing because God wants you to know that you have lies in your mind. That you think wrong, that you do things wrong, that you are evil. And that he wants to reshape you and me and remold you and me so we can look more like him. So he says this here. He says he says come here buddy. No. Right? And it reminded me, I remember I tell a story sometimes, I, I was ministering to this kid um, and, and, you know, and this was back when I was ministering at Michigan State and the guy was coming to things, he was all excited. And then uh, one day, you know, I was like, where are you going, man? He's like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, Minnesota, to be with my girl. So i knew what that meant. I'm like, what y'all going to do? know, he's like, well, you know, um, we plan on, on having sex. I said, well, what? What? Well, you're supposed to be walking, you know, walking with the Lord. Hey, what's up, man? And so then he was going to leave the room. I think I've told some of you this. And he, he's leaving, leaving, leaving my, my, my apartment and he stops and he says, well, what do you what do you think? And since I of like, am I a Christian? Right? That's what, he, that's what he basically asked me. Am I a Christian? I said, listen, I don't have, I, look, that's not my call to make. But I will tell you, if I was you and I was willing to just, just dog God whenever I want, I wouldn't be confident in my salvation. See, some of us don't like to hear that. This ain't about works. This is about there's a reality, and there's a tension of God's love and God's holiness. Okay? And when we can continually think we can do our own thing, we've missed it. So you see, he says, Moses, Moses, but he says, do not come near. And I want to propose what he does here. I love this. He, I love that he says, he says, listen, I want you before, you know, you want to come meet me, but first you got to take off your shoes. I love this sense of like, I want you to know who I am, but first, before you come and hang out, you got to know and understand uh, my holiness, what I, what I am about. The person says a lot of times. I'm willing to do things, as long as God affirms my desires. This says, and I, and I wanted to get this. This says that I'm willing to hear God tell me what I don't want to hear. How many of us in here are willing to do that? How many of us are saying, I I I, I love a guy. This 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 is, this is the point here. He's like, no you, you no. First, I want you before you consider all hanging out. I'm holy. He says, are you willing to hear things that, man, I don't want to hear that. That goes contrary to the way I act and think. And then God says, yeah, but that's who I am, right? And, and um, another preacher, I thought he made a good word. He was talking about the reality that reality is itself, right? Sometimes we try to change reality. God is who he is, right, family? Right, reality is itself. What do I mean by that? Um, you can't, you know, if, if you don't know how to swim, you're not going to do a triathlon You feeling me? you are going to die That's Just reality sorry you might Really feel like you can do a triathlon you might really Want to do a triathlon but Something's right there's people I talk you know I'm Hanging out with young kids and they'll say well what's Your grades um, I make D's And F's but I want to be a doctor okay, so can, can I preach Is that true come on y'all That's cute. And, you you know, we look at him and go, oh, that's so cool, Johnny. But in your mind, you're thinking, that ain't reality. You are not going to be a doctor making D's and F's. Right? In the same way, the Christian life, when you talk about revelation of God, we're talking about him revealing himself to Moses. I want to propose to you guys right now. He's showing, he's saying, hey, who I am is unchanging. Don't try to change me. Let me change you. So, so it's not a contradiction here. It's a beautiful thing. If, if only we can figure out how to not. See, when people up raise holiness too high, you just become religious, right? Right. When and then loves down here somewhere. And so you're just religious. Right. Look, I did this. I did that. You know, and, and that's one of the biggest things of my kids. You know, I, we punish them and we, and we do discipline and stuff like that. But man, I'm continually trying to help them see the gospel. Like, how do I help them see? I have to. I do that because I'm your daddy. But man, I, you need to see. I want you to see the love of God through me as well. Balancing. How do I show you that there is a standard that God is holy and, he, and he's fully loving. I just love that he says, stop, come here. Right? If we can figure that out, family, and not let our baggage hinder the gospel, man, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing when you, and you, and you, know, you see this, right? You, when do you see this practically? And I'm, I'm going to go to the next point. When do you see this practically? You see it practically when troubles hit. You see how you really think about God when troubles hit people having a good time with God, everything's cool, right? You know, and then, man, you, you fail a test. Your child dies. You get raped. Name the scenario. They're tragic. Some of them way more tragic than others. But you know how we are. All of a sudden, we begin to see that then some of our thinking about God is faulty. Based on how we react, what God was supposed to do, why didn't this happen for me? Right? I'm trying to keep it as real as possible. You know, faulty thinking, and I say that because man, God wants our thinking. "Ah, Man, that beautiful man, be be holy for I'm holy, but man. For God to love the world. Holding them in that beautiful tension. And being okay with the people of God helping you stay balanced. That's what gets me. We okay with being imbalanced. Not want to admit it. Man, some of you, we need to admit, I, I struggle with this area. Help me so I can preach the gospel fairly. He says, um, so we see this reputation of endearment. Uh, we see that again in Exodus 19, 9 through 25. You can check that out on your own time. And he said, um, I love he tells him, he says, hey, uh, this whole, this is, you know, this is a uh, holy ground. I love the concept there. Take your sandals off your feet. That was a whole term that you, when you went in someone's house, who was more powerful than you. You know, you would do that. I just love this whole sense that the author would give you and me like, hey, God is like, yo, take your shoes off, you and my house. You know what I'm saying? You need to calm down. You need to make sure you understand who you're dealing with. You're dealing with a holy God verse 6 and he said I'm the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God see that God had to explain himself a little bit man Moses realized oh my goodness I'm dealing with the Lord and then he had an appropriate response and guess what the reason why we know this is the Lord is the angel didn't go no no don't do that and the angel's like you better be doing that you should you should have been doing that what took you so long right And he hides his face. We see that uh, in Genesis 32, verse 30. Uh, We see uh, frameworks like that. Um, In Genesis 32, verse 30, just check that out in your own time. Goes on, the Lord said... Then the Lord said, verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And what's the point here? You have this holy, sovereign, awesome God revealing himself to this, this, this man who's all jacked up and messed up. And then he lets him know and understand that I care for my people. I want to remind you, Moses, I'm here because I care. And look at the terms he used. He uses these terms of affliction, of crying, taskmaster, suffering. And then he makes it clear that's, that's, that's what's going on with you guys. And guess what? I'm seeing it, I heard it, and I know about it. I'm all, I'm all up in it. He uses all those pictorial terms in verse 7 to, to just make the picture vibrant. That man, I'm on it, Moses. Not one thing has happened to you or any of the people that I have missed. And then you might be thinking, which is what I would be thinking, okay, Lord, Yahweh, thank you so much for saying that. However, if you are sovereign and you are powerful and you have seen all these things, what took you so long? Does any one of us ever think like that? Do you ever think, well, I get it. I'm reading the Bible. I know you're in control. Why does this dude who don't love God get all blessed all the time and I'm sitting over here struggling? Right? Are you thinking that? I want to propose those are very natural ways of thinking. But that's why God wants to help and change our way of understanding who God is. This is shared by all of us, this issue of suffering. Um, but what God is saying here is that I see and I want to rescue. It's a sense of rescue that we're seeing in verse 7 here. I'm going to move on before, because the sake of time. Verse 80 says, And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And as Roger Hershey would say, the Mosquito Bites. So, so. You look at verse 8 here, and he's saying, hey, I hear, and I'm letting you know I'm going to grab, I'm going, it's, it's this uh, sense of I'm going to rescue, I'm concerned, and I'm going, and I'm interested, and I'm going to grab these people. I'm going to come down. It's a sense of coming down and actually being intimately involved, and I'm going to grab them up. So it's, it's a sense of a, of a violent rescue. That's, what, that's, the, that's the, the, the posture that's coming from here. Um, I'm going to rescue you from a place of restriction and, 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 and slavery to a place of plenty and freedom. Verse 9, and now behold, the crowd of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen their oppression, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So now you get the, the call of Moses, I'm actually not only going to do this, but I'm going to actually use you to do this. Right? I'm going to use this broken vessel to do this. And then Moses is like, man, not only are you going to deliver us, but I'm going to be the agent of deliverance. Right? Which, again, I'm proposing, and we'll see in a moment, the typology of Christ, but also the retelling of the story of his people as being agents of deliverance in his world. He says in verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then he said, God, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Two components, and then we can pray, okay, guys? First component is that the sense of Moses saying, who am I that I? So Moses, that is not like, oh, um, I can't do it necessarily. It's almost a sense of like, um, he's saying, hey, I'm humbled that you would ask me to do it and I'm I'm willing and I get it. I'm gonna, I'm I'm totally like, okay, okay, God, you've chosen me and kind of like a humble expression of honor. But I love the fact and he's asking the question of like, so who, how, how am I going to do this? Right. And notice what God does the, in the, in the Hebrew. It's an emphatic I. So, so basically Moses is saying, I, 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 talking about himself. And then God responds back like, well, no, you're saying, can't I, who am I and all this? And God says, no, you, you got it. You got the wrong focus. It's not about like, who are you? It's about who is with you. Right, And so he says, and well, then God responds back, I, to kind of like combat his I. Like, you you little I, I'm big I, and I will be with you. That's why you don't need to be asking any questions, right? There's this point in the passage here. He says, I will be with you. And then secondly, and finally, I think you wrap all this up by going back, by looking at verse 12, looking at all the text that we just looked at, and then taking it and going back all the way back to that bush, where you had the angel of the Lord. And what you see here is this whole text is what they call uh, in theological uh, circles a fulfillment sign. And what that means, that's a sign that happens in the Bible where God does something to the people, right, where he wants them to remember that so that they can have the strength to continue on in the future to fulfill other signs. That make sense? So so basically this was the the, the moment of time, this was like the apex of time that God was like, I want to create this time that you had with me here in this moment so that three months later when you do leave and you're walking and those guys are chasing you, you will remember this time. What, and then what will you remember about this time? Okay, remember the discussion, but what, I want, but what he wants him to remember, he wants him to remember how, how descriptive he talks about the beginning. That man, back in the day, I saw a supernatural bush, a regular old crumbly looking regular bush. Picture that. It was a regular bush. It wasn't like on the Prince of Egypt where it was kind of glowing and stuff. It was a bush. That's why he knew it was a bush. What freaked him out about it wasn't that it was a bush. It was that the bush was burning like a regular fire. So think about a fire that you have At your house But the thing is the fire The bush never was consumed And guess what In the bush the scripture says what There is an angel In the bush Do you see what he's saying here Is that this is nothing but a typology Of what God has done in the world Is that in the same way What God is showing us here Is he's showing us that what happens Is that sin has to be paid for Okay, and the way sin is paid for is that you took animals, like in Genesis chapter 15, and you would, they would slice animals, right? And you would sacrifice those animals, and as those animals were sacrificed, sin was, as it were, atoned for in that moment, right? And so, as it were, there was fire that was consuming our sins, as it were, okay? Through the sacrificial aspects of animals. And then what you have here is you have this broken thing, this bush, and you have a fire here, but yet it's not being consumed, but you have an angel in the middle. I'm proposing the reason why the fire did not consume the bush is because of the angel in the middle, Yahweh, God himself. In the same way, what happens when we move and fast forward all the way to the beautiful time of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have a Jesus, a king, who actually goes and he pays for our sin. He is sacrificed. He is substituted for us. So instead of you and me dying And being consumed because of our sins We have Jesus Christ as it were Being a broken vessel And being consumed through fire Because of our sins right And so now Jesus is actually consumed So that we could be as it were A burning bush and not be consumed So how in the world do you and me Get to have the power of God The same power that rose Jesus from the dead The same power that When Moses asked to see God He said I'll show you my back Because you can't see all of me because I will consume you. But yet... God himself lives in every person who loves Jesus. How is that the case? Well, we're seeing the same thing there. I propose because the reason why we're not consumed is because we have the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself in us. And so we are a broken vessel. We are a burning bush. We are a bush as it were, but we're burning because of Jesus in us and we're not even consumed. But we're actually to be a radiant light showing people who God is, making them stop in their tracks and go, whoa, what's going on here? And you go, Jesus is what's going on here that he's in me he's a consuming fire but yet I'm not consumed because he's paid the penalty of my sin and you can experience that too and know his love I'm proposing he's retelling that story for you and me and he's telling you that you get to tell that story that we're all these little burning bushes that we all walk around with God himself burning in us and yet we should be But we're not. We're still walking around. How does that happen? Because of Jesus himself living in us. So when you think about that, you think about mission, you think about why we're here, you think about the revelation of God and God wanting to reveal himself to you and me. And he wants you to pause and turn aside. Some of us have lost that burn. Some of us, man, we just need that fire rekindled. We need to understand that God is in you and me. And that we are burning bushes. And that just like what Moses saw in that time, where he saw a man, here's a bush, and yet it's on fire. And it made him pause and reassess his life, reassess what's going on. He wanted to look into it. God wants to use each one of you. So when people are walking around in your class and they see it and they go, Why? What's going on over here? I don't understand. And you say, It's a consuming fire. But I'm not consumed. Because of Jesus. Let's retell that story, family. What's happening in this text here is the father is revealing himself to Moses. He said, turn aside. Look what I'm trying to show you. Look who I am. And my prayer is that we would not go get in the rat race and miss what God is trying to do. That's why I love discipleship. And that's why I was, I, I wish, I moved to a month, every month with the guys that i disciple, and I, I shouldn't have done that because what, what this is, what discipleship is sometimes when we, when we meet, it could become another activity for you. It shouldn't, but it's a time to pause and to consider God together. It's a time to say, man, I was hustling all week. Okay, let me step myself out of it. Why are we really here? What are we trying to do? Who are we trying to be about? Right? We pause. That's so one on one time about. That's what mad groups about. We pause and we say, Consider God. Okay, family? I'm going to take tithing offering right now, family. Um, if you are new to our body, we ask you to keep your, your wallet in your purse.